All right, and we are live. Assalamu alaikum, guys. Welcome to the Omarpreneur Live podcast. And in this unique, one-of-a-kind episode, I'm joined today by none other than Nasir Deeb, the creator and founder of the company Expo Hut, which founded the Halal Lifestyle Expo, the first B2B North American Halal Lifestyle Expo, and as well, the Kitchen and Bath Canada Expo. And he did this after coming to Canada in 2012. So in less than a decade and only a span of eight years, he's been able to start these two expos and his entrepreneurial experience is just simply unique and outstanding. So I brought him here today to share the experience with you guys and to share his lessons, how he started this expo and this trade show that caters to over 100 plus businesses and 2000 plus attendees and highlights halal products, services, just like food, financial services, clothing, and so much more. So thank you, Nasir, for being here today. I'm super honored to have you, super excited. And I just wanted to really start the, the episode by first thanking you and, and second, to have you share with us a little bit about how you got started as an entrepreneur. What was really the first thing that got you excited about starting a business like Expos? Why did you even want to do that? Uh, well, thank you first, uh, Abby, for giving me this opportunity. And I, I, I really appreciate the platform that you have created and developed. It's, it's, uh, appreciate it's, that. And I think it has a good potential to be bigger than that. Um, uh, well, this is a very uh, uh, a long question or a long answer for it. Uh, <laughs> I started, I started uh, working in the trade show business back in 94. And I it came by coincidence that I just came from the States and I decided to... Uh, apply for jobs like everybody coming to UAE, to Abu Dhabi. That's where I grew up and um, uh, end up in a, in a trade show company and it just took up from there. And I always uh, worked as an entrepreneur, even though I was an employee, I never believed if, of being an employee, uh, just working as, you know, nine to five kind of shift. I always, uh, you know, never accepted the status codes. I always gone beyond what the employer had asked me. And I guess because I've always had my mindset to have my own uh, business one day. And this is where I started to have the passion and the love for the trade show industry and the organizing exhibitions and conferences. Uh, then I moved into different trade show companies, um, different countries and worked for top corporates and managed and, uh, 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 whole companies like in different countries in the Middle East and U.S. And finally, uh, I had to settle uh, down and find a place where I can call home. Uh, for, not for me particularly, uh, also for my family and for my children. Mm. So I chose uh, Canada uh, because I seen that they offer you the opportunity to, uh, to start from scratch and build something out of, out of nothing. And, and I always believe in any place I, I move to, I have to embrace it. If you don't embrace the place where you go, uh, it will not embrace you back. As simple as that. And I, I own right. positive approach when I come when I move into a new country. It's 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 important. Uh, this kind of this country has given us so much, and we have to love it. We have to embrace it. And this is how I started. So I came in here as a new immigrant, as you mentioned, in 2012. Joined a very uh, a huge company, like globally the biggest company in the world, uh, called Informa. And uh, Informa started. Uh, they decided to buy in 2012, lucky for me, the biggest shows in Canada. And I joined them as uh, the international director for the, the trade shows. And I launched a couple of shows for them. Um, then I decided, you know what, it's time uh, to move on. So in 2017, I reopened the company that I started in Dubai in 2006, which is the Expo Hut. Wow. 
forgot to mention that export existed in 2006. Okay. And then I have to freeze it because of the 2009 uh, the or deficit that happened in Dubai. Right. So I always dreamt that I have to keep that company alive. So I had the opportunity in 2017 to start it. And it went very well. Um, we started and we launched, as you mentioned, uh, the Halal Expo Canada, which is the first B2B um, uh, trade show dedicated to halal lifestyle, uh, not just food, the whole uh, uh, ecosystem of the halal industry. So this is how we started. And just uh, six months ago, we launched another event for the kitchen and bath industry, the first of its kind in uh, in Canada. Wow. And it's just focusing on the kitchen and bath industry in general. So you started Kitchen and Bath fairly recently, around six months ago, and that's just actually, it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's really just before the whole pandemic started actually six months ago. I think it started about maybe three or four months ago now. So it's very recent. It's a new project. And all of a sudden you were faced with this big roadblock. What did you guys do to, to adjust to that situation? And how did you handle that challenge that you were facing in terms of the pandemic? Well, yes, we officially announced the show um, in, in early February. We have uh, held a nice uh, meeting breakfast at the Condit Center where we had invited a number of industry uh, leaders, association, associations, um, diplomats, trade commissioners from different countries. It went very well. Yeah. We, we tied up with the top publication companies to help us promote the show. The promotion started, the campaign started. We started to see a good response coming toward March, and uh, as you know, things are locked down. Yeah. We kept it alive. We kept the momentum alive. Um, uh, we, uh, we keep reaching out to our clients, um, telling that we are we are watching carefully and we are um, looking for your interest. And although we the show was in November uh, scheduled, but we had to think in a more wise uh, uh, approach, and we decided to, uh, you know, after this consulting with our leaders and our uh, partners locally and globally, decided to postpone the show to next October. To okay. Because um, it's a new show and we can't afford to have it uh, uh, in a lower standard. It has to be in the top, not in, the, in terms of exhibitors only, in terms of attendees. Uh, and this right. is important uh, and the crucial part of the trade show is the attendees. Mm -hmm. Just like in any business, the customer is king, right? It's it's all about the attendees. If you if you were to maybe give right now to our listeners who are listening a bit of advice, because I'm sure all of us had a certain challenge that we had to face with the pandemic. We had a struggle that we were maybe faced with because of the current situation and businesses closing up, people not leaving their homes. You adjusted in a very interesting way. You said, all right, we still want to make sure we have the best event possible. Let's reach out to key players in the industry and let's make sure that we take this time to position ourselves in an even more powerful way in our market. Would that be the move that others should also employ if they have other types of businesses? Or as a general recommendation, what would be your advice? In that sense, uh, as far as Halal Expo, let's, let's touch upon the Halal Expo. Sure, yeah. It was a, a successful launch last year. We had it in October. Uh, we, uh, we worked very hard because um, the concept of B2B show for Halal industry uh, was not yet understood so much in North America. And most mm -hmm. of the Halal industries, I mean, Halal show events, uh, amazing events, I, I would say, in North America, US, and Canada were you know, consumer based. And for us to find that uh, 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 unique approach, which is the B2B, uh, not because we wanted to, 
to do that, we looked at the market. It's a huge growth in the halal industry. And as you experience, you grew up here, uh, you remember, I don't know if you remember when you were younger, it was a challenge to get a halal products or services. But now, yes, uh, especially in Montreal or in Toronto, it's, you don't need to even look around. It's all over the place. It is, yeah. We, we realized the importance, but we didn't see a platform that brings that industry to the highest level in the way it's supposed to be presented. Yeah. And it's locally but internationally. And we want to bring more international. So we launched that show uh, after a lot of research and, 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 and just consulting with people and the support of, of course, community leaders like Dr. Salimi, uh, Dr. Khattab, uh, Sheikh Omar uh, Sudeir, and associations that that, um, that helped us uh, 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 launch this, and Isnan, et cetera, et cetera. And, and yeah. Maple Leaf, Maple Lodge, all these big, big names came forward and they were so excited that this is finally, is happening. We are, this is a much awaited event for us that we wanted to, uh, to, to get into. And again, when we, when we uh, do, did the, the new edition, the second edition, we were like, um, uh, impressed and, and amazed at the response. People were renewing uh, right away, right after we closed the show. Uh, October, they started renewing for next year. The show was scheduled for September, and we, we uh, although we, we reached almost more than fifty percent of, of uh, the, the space occupancy, we we have to think also about that too. It's our second edition. It has to be better and bigger, yeah. more international, and more uh, enhanced uh, 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 conference, which we did very nicely. We have international speakers in October, but we want to even make it better and bigger. Uh, and uh, so we did, we talked to all our um, affiliate and partners and and uh, our community leaders uh, and and of course our sponsors and they all supported our decision of, of moving it. But in the meantime, as you as going back to your question, yeah. we had to go and reach out. We reach out in a way not just by calling and by meeting. Uh, meeting was difficult, but we met through Zoom and etc. We uh, did some webinars uh, discussing different areas. Like uh, we discussed how halal plays a good role in the health and especially in the pandemic. We invited doctors, uh, uh, emergency doctors, uh, academic doctors, and, and pharmaceutical doctors. And they all came and helped us out, giving tips to the community, uh, trying how to cope with this pandemic. And also we um, we did a financial uh, uh, uh webinar about how to invest in this crisis in a halal way to ensure that you sustain the halal standard in, in your investment. So that's how we are keeping the momentum. In the meantime, right. we have to reinvent. We have to find, we have to sit back, back and, and and think about what we're doing, uh, try to find uh, creative ways, which really was kind of work for our interest. I would say it was very good in sense that give us some time to rethink uh, sometime to um, evaluate and restructure our our approach, and 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 that's what everybody should do. Mm-hmm. They should, they should uh, take that time and and find ways to to come back stronger, and we will come back stronger. Definitely, hundred percent. And you mentioned a really good strategy, which is what everyone should do in this time. Which is, you didn't just sit back and be like, "Oh man, we can't do the trade show. There's nothing we can do. Let's just wait it out." You're like, okay, what can we do to maintain an online presence? What can we do to still be at the forefront of our industry and keep highlighting how this halal lifestyle industry is still booming and there's growth in it? And you found a way to do that, as you mentioned, by bringing on doctors, by bringing on professionals and experts 
to highlight these topics online through webinars and through online events. And I think that's an amazing strategy. Nasir, I have a question for you. And it's when it comes to creating an expo like this, this is a big project like the Halal Lifestyle Expo. It's huge. You have 100 plus businesses. You have 2000 plus attendees that come in. There's you know, so much that goes into a project like this. Is this something that uh, an entrepreneur that's just starting off could could do? Or is it something that you can only do, let's say, if you had investors, if you had a huge team, if someone had an idea for an expo, they had an idea for a local event, is there any realistic way that they could get that done? Or do they really need some sort of team or investment behind them? Well, that's a good question. It's a, it's a good question. And again, it's a, it's a difficult to answer. On a <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, but what I would say is... Um, uh, I, I speak from from a, from a trade show perspective, not sure. from a general perspective of events, because I never yeah. done events. I've done mainly like B two B and conferences. Um, they are not similar to the to the uh, uh, public events. They're mm. more complicated because you're dealing with companies. You're dealing with uh, people who are very um, particular about certain things. You have to be very detail oriented. You have to plan. You have to have a lot of patience. Because yeah. uh, trade shows cannot just go in 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 in, uh, in one day, uh, in one year, or it takes three to five years to actually see that that the show is actually reaching where where you want it to be reached. Uh, but yeah. so, a lot of people try attempting to, to do trade shows, um, uh, and they fail because they didn't understand. They never done it before, for, for, or they never had the patience, and they don't want to invest the time and money. To build it and trade show is about building you, you don't expect to make money by the way you need to think three to five years in advance right and and the planning stage is is it's complicated it starts especially when you launch a show it's it's much more difficult because you have to first research and develop and 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 find a niche and 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 compare and look at so many elements of the of, of the of the organizing and once you do that you reach to the next level which is execution and it consists of operations, marketing, sales, and that's uh, it's like I don't know if you if you're familiar with the project management, right? But it's more. It has everything in one. Like you're putting everything together, from the branding, uh, development, R and D, branding, and then uh, introducing the show. Uh, so that's that's and it's difficult because in our business, you're expecting people to uh, invest sometimes a year in advance. And uh, to to start a new show, uh, we we as organizers, because I mean I, I'm I'm actually certified in trade shows, uh, and I've been doing it for a long time. So it takes minimum eighteen months to launch a new show. Mm-hmm. Minimum, wow. sometimes two years. Uh, That's a long time to plan. Yeah, some, because it's a new show. It's not just something, especially if you're looking at from an international perspective, you're looking at to attract international people. Uh, requires travel, requires investment, uh, marketing, connection. It's so much work, and 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 details. It has to be a lot, a lot of details has to be put in place in order to to um, to put the show in, in, in perspective. So it's not it's not something I can uh, describe in a, in a of course. In a, it, it it's a lot of process. People underestimate the trade show business. They say, oh, they come into the show, they see it. Oh, that's it. That's nice. So that must be easy. So what do you do next? I love you. So, well, what is your real job? Uh, when you, I, I do trade shows. No, no, that's okay. That's for now, for the next yeah. one week. But what about the rest of the year? I said, I do for the next show. And that's where I have a, unless somebody is from the trade show industry, uh, most people, 
uh, also exhibited understand because they know they, they are with us all the time. But uh, aside from that, someone who's like just outsider, they look at our business as a very simple. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, and it's interesting because when you walk in, when you walk into a business or you walk into a mess like this, it's like seeing the thing when it's done, when it's perfect and it's presented to you. You always think it didn't take much work, but the work that went into it is immense. And for the people listening now, the entrepreneurs that are watching and that will listen to this podcast, I mean, a lot of times we work on a business and we work for a very long time before we see profit. We work for a very long time before we see any results. And I think the biggest reason why sometimes people stop working on a business, they stop working on a project is they don't see results fast enough. They don't, they're not profitable fast enough. They think they're going to start and the next day it's going to be easy. They're going to be making money and they're, they're going to quit their job. And most of the time, it's not how it works. You're, you're working on a project, Nelsa, that you just mentioned. It's once a year. The entire year is spent planning for this event, this major event. And then after that, you're just planning again and again. And it takes years before it becomes profitable. So my question to you is, Nasser, it takes a certain mindset to be able to work on this, to, be, to work on a project like this where you're spending your entire year for a certain project, for a certain event. And also, you know that all this work that I'm putting in will reward me in the future. It's coming. It's not going to be right away, but I believe in what I'm doing and it's coming eventually. Can you tell me a bit about that? What that mindset looks like? What what, do you, what kind of mentality does it require to have such a business where you're playing for such a long-term game, right? Like it's so long-term, this type of business model. How do you do it? How do you survive? How do you stay motivated every single day? Uh, it's very simple. It's, it's one word. Uh, it's called passion. Mm -hmm. You have the passion for for trade shows, uh, then I I would I would say not to waste your time. It's it's passion, uh, it's uh, experience, and it's a good team. Uh, that's most important is the team that you work with. They also have to um, adapt to the to the passion that you have, and they have right. to see your vision. Uh, and once they you you achieve that, it'll be easier for you to launch a successful show. I I launched a number of shows not only in Canada in different countries. Uh, and I must say, because of my team and their uh, determination and, and, and um, you know, being uh, so patient, we had put up a lot of good shows together. And um, it's uh, everybody who, who, who works with us, even though they come from different industry, once they, they, uh, they see the excitement, because you, you build it, uh, like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Woodstock. Right, yes, yes. Welcome. So it's it's like you have it in your mind. It's like a very virtual. It's not yet actual. It's like non tangible, and it becomes tangible once you cut the ribbon or you do the opening ceremony, and you feel that sense of relief and sense of uh, excitement and achievement that uh, I cannot describe it to you. It says sometimes it makes your your eyes glitter, you know, because it's such a, a great feeling after all the hard work. And sometimes when we are preparing for for the show, then the the two days prior to the show, we are on the on the side, so we are we sleep like maybe if we're lucky, we sleep an hour. Wow! On the show, how, how big it is. Um, everybody's so tired, but once we open the show, everybody's so relaxed and so relieved and uh, excited. That's amazing. And Nasser, you went and not only created the Halal Lifestyle Expo, but then you're like, all right, let's go ahead and put together a second show, Kitchen and Bath Canada as well, the Kitchen and Bath Expo. What inspired you to start the Kitchen and Bath Expo? What was the idea behind that? And why did you choose that industry specifically? Okay. 
So I was uh, part of the building show in Canada. I uh, was director of international development. And uh, uh, I looked at the niche like uh, for the stone industry. Um, because when I was traveling for different trade shows, and I see also people coming to our building show, found out that there's a, a demand for stone, uh, mm. stone industry. So when I launched this, it was needed in Canada. We didn't have a dedicated show for the stone industry. And it went very successful. And I said, I looked at when I started my own, uh, again, the export, I reopened it. I looked at what are the missing industries that you cannot just include in a, in a, in a, in a mass show or in a comprehensive show. I looked at an area, which is kitchen and bed. I did my study and I did my uh, research on it with my team. And we looked at so many areas where we, most of Canadians, kitchen and bath industry uh, suppliers or buyers or whatever, they travel the distance. They go to Italy, they go to the States to attend, uh, or China, uh, to Shanghai. But the thing is, there's nothing for us here. And right. I feel Canada is ready for the uh, stay alone, standalone shows, uh, like the focused one, not the general ones, uh, because we have so much. Uh, to offer uh, the kitchen and bath industry now in Canada, it's skyrocketing to the last God, the last five years. It's been increasing, increasing in a in a magnitude of five, uh, fifty percent almost than it used to be. Uh, as you know, you know, as people are becoming more cocky now, they want to renovate their kitchen, they want right. to have a new bathroom, and uh, uh, and and you know, kitchen and bath is not just about uh, the countertops. You're talking about everything in the kitchen and bath, from the piping to the faucet to the uh, covering everything that you see in the kitchen the appliances uh, kitchenware name it um, uh, the design aspect of it um, so that's that's what we found that Canada deserves to have its own show and right. it's and and when we launched it in last February everybody was telling us uh, you you're late we were waiting for such a such a, a wow. to come up and 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 it's it's gonna grow and not as big as U.S. market, but for Canadian market, it will grow the way it should grow, and and I think it's it's uh, it's it's a good thing for we make it easier for our Canadian uh, clients not to travel uh, all the way and spend money. Yeah, bring it home. Uh, we bring international to you, and that's what we're working on. We're working with Turkey, we're working with Italy, we're working with uh, China and other countries to bring them all to all the manufacturers to come here and partner with the with the with the suppliers here so that's what we're doing amazing and Nasser, your business model is almost i mean when you talk about it like that it sounds like you're really serving as the middleman you're saying okay how can i connect these businesses and these canadian enterprises to potentially new clients and new business and it's this it's what you've done with in the kitchen and bath and where you're going to do with this expo and it's what you've done in the halal lifestyle industry as well so there's definitely power in connections but it needs to go both ways. You need to access the businesses and then you need to access the people that will also work with the businesses. And Halal Lifestyle is B2B. So you need to get potential clients and you need to get the exhibitors. So there's a lot of networking and marketing involved. How do you approach you know, the expo from a marketing standpoint? Do you usually just rely on advertising? Do you rely on word of mouth? Do you rely on social media? What do you do exactly? Uh, it's 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 a... A formula. It's a it's a it's a big formula. We have okay. to integrate so many elements. Uh, uh, not just media, uh, uh, print and digital, and 
and social media, so many things. Uh, we, we, we meet people uh, locally, internationally, we travel, we do a lot of things. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of a process for us to market and sell it. Uh, marketing starts and then selling goes next uh, as in any business, but it's yeah. much more, um, how to say, uh, has more, more uh, activities than a normal business because you're not selling um, something tangible. Like if I would tell you, um, this is a mobile. I show it to you. You try it. Okay, it's done. But I'm telling you something that will happen in a year, and you just have a vision. You just have like a, a, a an image of that show, but you're not actually in the show yet. Yeah. And to to make you believe in that, we have to be very credible. We have to show the credibility. We have to show our strength. We have to show our presence. Uh, so it it takes a lot of investment and 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 resources to to achieve that. And this is where we are. Uh, we are strong at um, we we make sure that we we use what we know best in in trade show formula, yeah, marketing, and and that's how we we achieve uh, success and and would work with partners. That's most important. The partners, and globally and locally, they are the one who's uh, is always supporting us. Beautiful. So it sounds like there's really it's a it's a column. It's not one specific activity, but it's a culmination of activities. And it's also having a team with you and partners with you that are going to help you on the journey. And I think that's something that any business owner can relate to when they're listening to this is the importance of having a team behind you, the importance of making the right connections, and not only relying on one source of marketing, but also, you know, spreading and making sure that you're available on all platforms, whether it's social, as you mentioned, print, and other types of advertising, social media, and networking, you try to get into as many as possible. I think that's very key. Nasad, I have one more question for you uh, in regards to the Halal Lifestyle Expo, and it's this. You came in and you saw a need within the Halal Lifestyle industry. You saw it's a booming industry. As you mentioned earlier, I, was, I grew up in Canada. I was born and raised here. And when I was young, there was no such thing as walking into a grocery store and having Zabiha Halal just available on the countertops. That was not something that happened and we had to go to specific butchers and you had to kind of know the butchers and it was a different type of lifestyle. Now it's much easier. It's more accessible. And you're like, all right, I want to take this to the next level. What made you feel like Canada was ready for this type of expo? They were ready for this type of expo to highlight the industry and they were ready for it to grow the industry. What inspired you to get started in that field? Well, there are so many factors that uh, played a, uh, a major role in, on, on my decision. Um, first of all, Canada uh, has been attracting a lot of Muslims in the last five years, particularly. Right. Uh, we have reached a number that it's um, staggering. Like we, we are now estimate at we I think we passed 1.5 million Muslims, particularly wow. in the GTA area. Uh, they are like 60% are in the GTA, and so there is so much demand into this. Uh, and these are the, the registered numbers I'm talking about. There are many Muslims maybe we have not yet uh, reached out to. Like, uh, so uh, when we looked at the market and we see the trend, uh, we saw that there are more, much more growth. Uh, you see companies like, uh, like for example, you know, you see Adonis. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about trying to relate to your your area. Yes, uh, Adonis in the last few years opened uh, three branches in GTA. Yeah, uh, there's one just across the street from my house and. Uh, so they, that shows you that why they, I'm not saying it's a, it's a completely halal store, but right. they have a lot of halal products. 
and it's catering to many us, but of course non-Muslims as well, non-Arabs. But but it's it's a place where where we can find everything. And this is even me or coming to Canada in 2012. I I didn't see so many places to go, like many choices. Um, you go to uh, every I would say one kilometer. There's a halal place or halal right. uh, clothing or cosmetic. So there are so much demand, but it's unfortunately there's not enough supply. Mm. And the reason why, because the international having difficulty to access the market, and if they find one buyer, it's only one buyer, and he controls uh, that product. So they want to go mass, and Canada is vast, as you know. Uh, yeah. You find the product in, in, for example, in Montreal, but you might not find it in Edmonton. Uh, and this is where we're trying to uh, offer the platform. And the platform is not, you can look at it as a middle middleman, but it's basically, we provide the platform, and it's up to you to make the best of it. So we make right. sure we give you the trade platform uh, to to meet um, uh, the your buyers, your, your suppliers. Um, but it's up to you how to make the best of it. We mm -hmm. will advertise it, we we'll promote it, we we'll bring you the targeted audience that you need, um, like the wholesalers and the others and and people who are interested in, to invest in that industry. But it's how you, as an exhibitor will benefit from that and how you show you case your booth, your products, you prepare yourself. And I, and I, we always educate our exhibitors. Uh, that's why book in advance, book in a year in advance. Right. It's, it takes time for you as an exhibitor to prepare. You have to prepare yourself. If your branding is not strong, you have to string your brand. Uh, if you have to deal with, a, uh, with the digital media, like yourself, uh, for yeah. example, Abby, go and reach out to those people. Uh, to, try to fix a video for yourself. Try to do this. There's so many things you have to prepare for. Um, your booth, your staffing has to be trained. So don't just come into the show without being prepared. And that's what right. I encourage people. So this is preparation. This is where I started the idea, and this is where we end up uh, being uh, when we talk to the ISNA and we talk to Dr. Salimi and Sheikh Omar from uh, HMA. We talk to so many uh, uh, partners, and and of course the biggest company like Maple Leaf and Maple Lodge. They all welcomed the idea. They said this is a yeah. much-awaited event for us because we want to meet not only the consumer. We want to meet uh, those businesses. We want to meet. If I'm a franchise halal, I want to look at an investor who wants to invest in my franchise. If I want to um, promote my cosmetic products, like we have a guy from Chicago, another guy from Canada, they promote cosmetics halal-based, and they they just want they want to only sell online. They want to find an outlet where they can uh, showcase their products. And this is where where, where uh, the time was right. And we when we did it, we received a good response. We actually been asked to, we had it for two days. And the, a lot of, when we did the survey among exhibitor attendees, we were uh, strongly recommended to make it at least one more day. So for the next time in June, it will be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So anybody who missed, up the, two, missed the two days, they have no excuse to come, yeah. but not to come on Saturday. So that's that's where we, we we were at, and we think this show has a great potential. We're looking at expanding it to different regions, but we're still studying that. Uh, but definitely, it's it's a it's something that made us as halal industry to showcase ourselves in a much higher level. Uh, I had a guy who was telling me that uh, it's the first time I come in to halal gathering that I have to wear a suit and a tie. <laughs> That's both nice. Um, 
I had to ask uh, some of our sheikhs, you know, I want you to wear uh, uh, a Western clothes. And they yes. said, have to say, of course we'll do that. You know, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was funny. It was uh, see to see all these guys together. Uh, we, we, we developed a sense of unity. Uh, the whole uh, community uh, come together uh, and they all like uh, start discussing the differences and try to agree on working together, unifying. So this is one of the objective of the show. It's not just yeah. to, to do trade, it's to unify the community, unify the business community. Beautiful. And this is what we, we we're trying to achieve in a, in a, in a bigger way, uh, to get the sense of unity, to strengthen, strengthen this market that it has so much potential. And believe it or not, a lot of non-Muslim now are buying halal products. And, yeah. and this is for my surprise and probably your surprise. They are, more people are buying uh, from the butcher of halal um, than, than even us sometimes, you know. I don't know about Montreal, yeah. but this is what happens. <laughs> 100%. And, and I mean, we can both relate to, I mean, I can really relate to what you're saying. And honestly, I think we can get along on that point where even with Omarpreneur in this project here, it's all about really bringing something to the Muslim community where we can level up as entrepreneurs, you know, create these businesses that not only appeal specifically to Muslims, but also to everyone and, and to really show that, look, you can come and buy halal and it's going to be amazing quality and it's going to be even better than what you'd normally buy elsewhere. And these, not only the branding, but the products, but the services, everything is on point. And that's what we try to do, Omarpreneur. That's what you're doing with the Halal Lifestyle Expo. And that's why I admire it so much and wanted you to come on. So Nasir, I have uh, one more for you. And it's with the Halal Lifestyle Expo, you brought so many exhibitors, you brought so many attendees together and you were forced to put a pause on it for this year. You want to come back the next year, inshallah, stronger. You guys are going to do in Toronto. Do you plan to do other locations and expand and maybe do more events in different parts of the world? Because I'm sure more people want to join, more people want to sign up and take part in this. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've been, <laughs> we've been asked uh, by a number of people to come into their place. Uh, we we taking, I won't, I won't say baby step, but we're taking a very cautious step because, um, as I mentioned, trade shows are not something that to be taken lightly. You have to make sure that you build a good brand and move to the next level. So for us, at this early stage, we are just on our second edition. Uh, we we right. could have been on our third edition if it wasn't for the pandemic. But on the second edition, usually you want to make sure that you get it to the level where it's secured and it's uh, it's done and you can just let it uh, grow. Right. Uh, definitely we have a plan, but it's not an early plan. Uh, mm -hmm. Something that we will say ne next year. Uh, it could be somewhere in the next year or a half, two years. We are planning. So we, we're still talking to different uh, places. Uh, there are halal, of course, halal uh, shows around the world. Uh, there are like, like in the same format, B2B. Uh, yeah, we we are partner with the biggest halal show in uh, in Malaysia. We are there. Uh, Beautiful! Wow. In uh, in, uh, in North America, U.S. and Canada, and we also exhibit as as a pavilion. We take Canadian companies, and we we as a halal expo, we have our own booth, and we promote our halal lifestyle industry uh, in that show. It's a huge show. It's more than thousand um, thousand exhibitors and. 40,000 attendees around the world. It's, it's the mother of all. And there's another one in Turkey that we attended. Uh, there are so many uh, shows. And be surprised to you, uh, there are a couple of small, small events. One in Korea, one in Japan. Wow. 
Amazing. And I've been to Japan. It's such a beautiful country. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we one of our team members supposed to be going to Tokyo uh, to meet with the with the Muslim community. Uh, there are a lot of Muslims now growing in, in Japan. Uh, yeah. And not only those non-Japanese, also the Japanese Muslims. And and this is interesting. Uh, I never knew myself until I had started to do my, my <laughs> I, met, I met them at uh, in Turkey and in uh, in um, and uh, Turkey and Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur. And they actually invited us to come to, to meet the, with their um, Islamic associations. But they, yeah, they, they, we had actually a couple of Korean companies at uh, Halal Expo, Halal. Uh, Beautiful. Certified, yes. And we, we came from Korea, actually. They came last October. Amazing. So I love that, you know, you're already getting interest worldwide. You're getting interest from Malaysia, Korea, Japan, all these beautiful countries. And I mean, a little known fact about Malaysia, I, I believe, and the last time I checked, it was the country, well, the, the biggest country that was that had the most Muslims within it, right? The, the biggest Muslim population within one country was in Malaysia. Indonesia, but yeah, Malaysia. Indonesia, right. Okay. Yeah, so that whole area, and I might be mistaken, guys. I, I mean, again, I'm just trying to remember, but from what I mean, it's impressive because you think it would be in the Middle East, right? They have a big number of Muslims. The huge majority are Muslims. Uh, there are more than uh, 80 million Muslims in Malaysia. So yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a big number of. Uh, if you compare it to the Arab countries, yes, it's, yes, it's a big number. For sure, for sure. So Nasser, I want to thank you for for all this information. I have. A, a question that I asked to all my guests before we dive into the Q&A portion. Uh, alhamdulillah, we have a lot of questions coming in from the audience, so I'd love to look at them with you. But before we do, I want to ask you, Nasir, what's the greatest lesson that you've learned from being an entrepreneur? From all these years of entrepreneurship and, and starting these businesses and these expos, what was the greatest lesson that you've learned? And you can take your time to answer me because it might be a hard one. <laughs> There's so many lessons you, you, you learned of from, uh, from having a business. Uh, uh, one of the lessons I I, I learned is is uh, never give up. Like if you have mm -hmm. you have uh, an idea in mind, uh, just stick with it. And and if you know that it's gonna work, just do your best and keep yeah. trying. Um, there's uh, there's no shame in failure in, in business. Um, I, you know, it's not me saying that. It's a lot of the, the people who are, of course, made it to the top. They said we failed more than we we succeeded. Uh, yeah. And that's how it works. If you don't fail, you don't strengthen yourself. So, so I believe that uh, I learned that you need to fail. It's okay to fail in order to 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 succeed. Uh, and it's it's something that I I I wouldn't say that I was always doing great. I had my ups and downs. I had my struggle. I had uh, <clears throat> a time where I. I don't know what what else I can do. There were so many, but it was a it was a try and error. You have to. Yeah, right. And it was it was it helped me. Like every time you do something in life, never regret. It's 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 a it's a lesson you learn, and it adds to your uh, to your uh, uh, strength, and and it makes you much much stronger, and much more resilient. Yeah. And and give you more of the risk taking um, approach in anything. So uh, the more you know, the more you learn, uh, the more you you try things and. The more you you meet with people, you you become stronger because your experience experience comes uh, with not only from what you study in school, it's what you do after. That's what what I always tell people: don't think that when you graduate, uh, it means that you have you know, learned everything. Now this is where you start learning, and, yeah. And and it takes a lot of time. And if people think that I can do it and I know everything, that's 
impossible. Even me, I've been doing trade show for 27 plus years. Wow. I'm still learning, and I, um, I, I still think myself. I'm, I'm still not even 100. percent I'm like 60 percent yeah. uh, where I have to be, and that's that's how you should. Everybody should believe in this. Not, not to say, I'm done. I know what I'm doing, and and that's where people end up. You know, having uh, mistakes and problems, and I completely agree. And I think that's that's really the testament of having a growth mindset, which is to be able to face failure and and not take it as a personal failure or a this is you know this means that I'm a failure, but instead realize that you're trying something new, and maybe you won't succeed the first time, which usually happens when you try something new, and to keep going and learn from it. And I think for every person that I've talked to that has, you know, really. Kind of devoted themselves to a certain industry or devoted themselves to a passion to learn about a certain topic all of them will say that the more they learn the less they feel like they know because i mean knowledge is an endless sea and we can only in our short lives get a simple drop of that knowledge of that sea so look guys don't get overwhelmed when you face failure when you face rejection when you face struggles in your business just like nasir said don't give up and it's the biggest lesson he's learned from being an entrepreneur now nasir we have a few questions from q a uh, from audience here that want to ask you and they want, they're curious about your experience. They want to know your answers. Are you ready to dive in? Okay. Let's <laughs> All right, let's do it. So we're going to do our Q and a portion right now, guys. So if you have any questions for Nasir, go ahead and drop them in the comments, inshallah, and we'll be asked, uh, answering them as we go. And let's dive into the first one here, which I have one second from sister Faye here. And she says, so I'm going to pull that up here. So she says, with years of expertise, uh, as a newbie that wants to start within the halal industry, they want to start a business within the halal industry. Can you give them a powerful strategy that they can use for their business? Because they feel like there is still some discrimination in the world that they live in. So do you have any advice for someone who might be wanting to start a business in the halal industry? They feel like there still might be some discrimination involved. They might miss out on some potential business. What can we tell that person? Um, I... I personally believe that if you um, uh, believe in yourself and you you keep your identity and be proud of, of who you are and be open-minded uh, and be optimistic, this is the way to make it in anywhere. Like you don't need to worry about uh, if you think the product is successful or the service of halal that you're developing is going to be successful and it's going to work. Uh, go for it and 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 don't stop there uh, because. Uh, there are growth, and uh, and people also some now they relate halal to healthy uh, living, not just Muslims. Uh, people prefer to use halal-based product. Yeah. The cosmetics, uh, they uh, they uh, they believe uh, that because it's organic and it's uh, it's have natural ingredients. So they a lot of Muslims use halal cosmetics. Uh, like for example, uh, the clothing. And Nike just uh, launched a beautiful uh, uh, burkini. Uh, so yes, that's true. Yeah, majority. I would put it to her this way to to uh, sister Faye. The majority of the companies that we deal with in halal, especially in Canada, forget about international, they are non-Muslim companies. Mm. So they are entering that market, and they are non-Muslims because they see the potential. So imagine us. There are a lot of opportunity. I encourage everybody. To get in there, uh, if you don't know what to, what to start a business, uh, you come. You're welcome to attend our show. Reach out to me or reach out to brother uh, Abby 
uh, we'd be happy to give you even a, a free invite. Uh, Beautiful. Charge you on the door. Don't worry. Uh, if it's <laughs> but we will encourage you to come attend the show and meet our uh, domestic and, and international manufacturers and service providers for halal industry and see uh, they are all of them offering sometimes franchise, uh, sometimes offering you a clothing line uh, that you want to start. So, so I would say it's the best business to get into. And a lot of our companies now looking at to exporting the halal products. Uh, that's why we're taking them to uh, Halal Expo uh, in Malaysia because they want to export the Korean halal products to the world because it's 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 endless opportunity. And I would say, no, do not feel about uh, there's no such thing called discrimination when it comes to business. People, even if they were, all respect, even if they discriminate against uh, our beautiful culture and religion, uh, they still want to do business. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Interesting. If they find an opportunity, they will, uh, they will never say no to it. And uh, and this is where, and I think we live in, we, we're blessed to live in a country. So far, we're, we're blessed that we have a great leadership. We have a great uh, country to live in and where diversity is, is, is our first, first priority. Yeah. And, and I think this is where we should take advantage and leverage. And that's why I lived in different countries. I traveled so many places. But I call Canada home, and I love this country because it's really it has a lot to offer. But we just yeah. have to be optimistic and positive, and not to look back, and and call it at home. Like you have to resonate here. You have to cultivate your your presence in this country. Once you do that, then you are you are a winner. I, I would I would Beautiful. doubt you will fail. You know. Amazing, mashallah. And I completely agree, honestly. Again, I'm born and raised here, so I may be biased, but I absolutely love this country. I love everything they offer. And uh, I mean, it, it is unfortunate to say, but I would definitely attest that this is, you know, it's much better to live here than it is to live in, in, in a lot of Arab countries. So, I mean, it's, it's important to embrace it and to do it the best that we can and give it a positive image of Islam and of Muslims. And I think the Halal Lifestyle Expo, what you're doing is a great example and testament of that. And I'll say, thank you for that personally. Uh, we have a few more questions here that we'll dive into, about two or three more. One of them, I'm really interested in getting your answer, Nasir, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say. And it's from Juman. And it's, you mentioned you had a team with you. How did you manage to pick team members who had the same vision as you and making sure that their work aligned with your goals and represented your company's message authentically? So how did you pick your team members and find people who were really buying into your vision and, and, and wanted to do what you wanted to do with your company? I think when you are as a, as a, as a leader or as a, as a person uh, running a business, if you uh, uh, show the, the passion and the love to the uh, particular business you're doing, it reflects in your staff. Um, mm -hmm. The way that you, uh, you describe it to them, the way they, they buy into it, it's, it's how you, you play it. Um, uh, my team is, is, is a multicultural. There are different, uh, I even have a um, nice lady from China. I have, you know, different, different. And also we have our international uh, agency, which is based in different countries. We have like in Italy, we have in China, we have in India, we have in Turkey. We work with different, uh, 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 and Malaysia as well. So so we, we work with, with different uh, uh in the office, we're we're not a huge team. We're, we're a small team. We consist of uh, five, uh, but we work uh, because we are organized. So we work. We outsource so many of the services to contractors, suppliers. We work with um, uh, uh, freelancers. Uh, so many people that we work with 
to come up with this idea. But we, our our core team in, in in Toronto, if this is a question, yeah, are are five, and and how they uh, how I picked them is based on um, in the integrity and the way they are uh, they they have the the love to our business and the, and the, if they if they buy I, they first have to buy into our our concept. Once they buy into the concept. The rest is our problem. Uh, we don't necessarily ask people to be uh, top experience in trade shows. We just have to uh, see that uh, hunger, and they want to learn, and they will they will become better than me at the end. That's what what happens in many cases. I train people, and they become even they, they start telling me what to do. Like I was like, <laughs> okay, and this is how it is. You 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 work with people who tell you how things because you yeah. don't you don't know. You don't know everything. It's like you don't pretend to be a designer or a, uh, like a video editor or this or, or a planner. You you can manage a team, but doesn't necessarily you know every aspect of it. But you have to make sure that you give them the right environment and you support them and stand by them. And that's how I I perceive it. That's an amazing answer, and I completely agree with that because again, I, and it really just it's a testament to your to yourself as a leader because. A proper leader is going to look for team members who are actually, you know, instead of trying to find people who maybe they're less better than you or, you know, they're less skilled than you in, in their profession, which just so you can feel like, you know, you can raise your ego and feel like, you know, I'm the best around. You want to hire people who actually outshine you in their fields and in their expertise so that they can come in and do a better job. I mean, that's the entire purpose of it. Right. And I think that's the difference between a powerful organization and one that might be struggling. And that's a testament to yourself as a leader, which is you're not afraid to be told that you're wrong in certain areas and not afraid to listen to your team members and get their ideas and their opinions. And I think that's what really makes a powerful and, and successful organization. We have one more here for you. Go ahead. You cannot work. You cannot sort say, but you cannot work. Yeah, go for it. Uh, alone. Like we, we say it takes two, two to tango. <laughs> Uh, to clap you need two hands you can't clap you <laughs> that's true it's it's a it's a teamwork and and they they uh help us lead the way like they we work together and they they are the one who, like we always every time we take a decision we we sit around and we say so what do you guys think we should do this or we should do that and we take a vote and, and whoever uh you know majority agrees on this we go with it if not we don't we change it uh it's it's uh we don't take decisions. We don't treat our employees as our um, as our staff. We treat them as our partners. They 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 are part of this company. They they help shape the success of this company, and we make them yeah. feel like it's their own business, and that's how they operate. You once you make them feel it's their own business, uh, they and you support them in that sense, you will be more relaxed that way. Yeah. It's easier to work. Uh, you don't have to worry about uh, their loyalty or the dishonesty because this is their business this is their what well, well, you know their own own baby basically and, and and you make them have the sense of of ownership like uh, when it comes to trade show you let them feel like this is your show this is our show this is where we where we want to make make it happen and when we open the show we celebrate together like we we get very excited like oh we did it we all together of course and that brings me actually to a question that someone asked, which was, how do you keep the energy high during the planning stage? Because, right, you, you know, you're working all year towards that. We talked a bit about motivation and uh, and consistency and passion. But even within your team as an organization, how do you guys, you know, show up every day energetically 
and and you know still maintain the energy high let's say when you're six months out from from the show date because one thing about trade shows uh that i i noticed over the years it's an ever ever changing business it's um every day it's a new challenge every day is a problem <clears throat> every day there's some um, things that you have to adjust uh, uh based on on circumstances um and this is what keeps it more uh, exciting, more motivating. Uh, it's not a routine work. You have to always create, reinvent. Uh, you, you try, for example, a marketing campaign. And you look at an analysis, oh, this is not, wasn't very successful. So we go back and say, oh, where we went wrong? Let's try to do this. So it's always, you have to, you cannot follow the same uh, rhythm and the same uh, style every time you do the show. Uh, you have to look at the changes. You have to look at the market that you're dealing with, the industry that you're working with. You have to look at, uh, uh, and you're always different places. You have to be always uh, out and about. Um, from a sales perspective, you have to be out and about. From a, even operation, creative, uh, we uh, take our team, even if they're doing uh, marketing or creative work or they're doing operation, we take them to different events or different trade shows. They take ideas. They look at stuff. They don't necessarily have to sell the show because they're not into the sales, but they will go and and adapt new concept and have new ideas, and this is where where we we all work together. Uh, we have to know everything about the, the show business, and right. So we involve them in every aspect. So there's a lot to learn. It's new. If you involve your team in every aspect, then you 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 will you will win at them because you you they will give you a, a better uh, results than than you expect, and that's of course. How but if you keep them isolated and say, you know, like in a big, big corporation, uh, um, they, they, you are a number. I'm sorry, all the respect to corporation yeah. to work with, but in a trade show business, you have to have a small team and a family team. Like everybody has to be involved. Uh, in a big corporation, if you work there, you are asked to do certain jobs, and that's it. And you're not allowed to get involved in other jobs. You can spend five years, and you ask yeah. you. What you've learned. I only learned how to type this, how to do this. But have you done anything else? No, I only done this. I'm not allowed to touch my phone. <laughs> yeah. There's here there's no boss. Here is it's we are all team members, we work together. Uh, on the show floor, uh, I could be uh, uh, moving something from the floor, uh, somebody else can be running around doing this. I go grab food, somebody goes to do this. So there's no no uh, hierarchy. I would say right, uh, but there are there are there is a leader, but there's no hierarchy. I would say, and and that's exactly there's a difference between being a leader and a dictator is, is exactly what what that sounds like. Um, we have one quick question as well, and is this this is the last one from the audience, and it's are there uh, non-Muslims? Go ahead. So <laughs> amazing. So so there's not there's are there non-Muslims? And let me just see here. That are, that are participating in the Halal Expo. And I'm also curious to know, can non-Muslims participate? Do some non-Muslim businesses participate? You mentioned Nike has the burkini. Has any non-Muslim businesses joined the I, expo yet? I, as, I, as I mentioned, a uh, majority of the Canadian companies that participate in our show, they're non-Muslim companies. Non -Muslim oh, wow. Companies. So, uh, and the attendees are a mix. Uh, things about our show is not a community culture event. It's a business event. So, we, you have uh, from the exhibitors and the attendees a great mix. Yeah. Because we are not discussing, uh, and I, sorry to say, we're not discussing about religion. Yes. Or about who's right, who's wrong, uh, who's the prophet of this. Who's, we're discussing mainly uh, 
the the potential of this uh, uh, product and services yeah the framework of halal uh, lifestyle so the, uh, to answer your question this is not targeting muslims yeah this is targeting everybody who is interested to enter that or penetrate that uh, untapped opportunities of halal industry market that is growing in a in a very fast pace as as i mentioned and i think that's really the key is that it's a lot of times we have a lot of events that are isolated that are closed off you know muslims only and and i think that's actually counterintuitive especially your event is in north america and whether you're in any country right now the whole point is to be more open and inclusive to show others hey you can come and participate and these are real businesses this is a, a booming industry and there's a lot of potential for you here and I think just that in itself is a form of da'wah or calling to Islam where you don't have to talk about Islam. You don't have to, you know, spread the message and tell them, listen, you're wrong or I'm right. It's just, hey, listen, this is what we do and let's go ahead and, and do it together and bring you in, br bring other non-Muslim businesses and let them showcase as well. And I think that is part of it. And it's a huge part of it. And it's what we try to do on Entrepreneur as well, which is through entrepreneurship, through business, you that in itself is a form of changing the narrative of Islam that sometimes goes in the media. I think to echo what you said, uh, uh, we spread our message through example. Like we have to be by example. Yeah. We need to always say, hey, as you said, you know, stuff. It's how we lead. And, and in our trade show, we show a great diversity. We show, uh, we, in the conference panelists, we, and the speakers, a lot of them were uh, Christian, Jews, and they were involved in, in topics that it's kind of related to what, what we're discussing in high life industry. And we were, uh, one of our panelists uh, talking about uh, the, the health care and, and uh, the care, home cares for elderly. Uh, and we were talking from a Muslim perspective that we like to create uh, a home care for Muslim uh, elderly that has yeah. halal food in this. But we were surprised that even from our brothers who are Christians, they also like to have similar environment for their uh, their elderly. So that was a lot of discussion. Another guy was discussing about the halal franchise, who was not even a Muslim, uh, and he is a very big supporter of our uh, halal industry. So there are, there are uh, this is what we're trying to uh, to send out the message. And we are uh, uh, want you to be part of our market, part of our business. We are welcome. We don't look at uh, welcome everybody like our uh, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He had a Jewish neighbor, Christian neighbors, and people support him who are non-Muslim, and and he made a good friendship with with with, with the people of faith. So that's yeah. where we need to follow the path. We are um, diverse religion. We are a loving religion. We don't need to think about all these. Um, nonsense things that we love to portray in the media. And I think that's exactly the key. Now, Nasser, you've dropped a lot of gems on this episode today. And mashallah, I mean, just from the comments, there's so many people who are saying just how much impact they've got, how many insights they've gotten from this episode, from all of your answers. So I wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of the audience today for taking the time to be with us. How can people support you, support your work, support the expo at Halal Expo Kitchen and Bath? What can they do? I, I, I encourage all of you to, to visit our website, uh, halalexpocanada.com. You, will, you can see a lot of videos. We have a YouTube channel and also follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, we also uh, uh, encourage you guys to all attend the show. If you're an exhibitor or attendees, it doesn't matter. We want you to yeah. be perfect. It's a great platform. 
uh, it's growing and with your support it will go bigger as far as kitchen and bath kbc expo kbcexpo.com uh, if you are in the business uh, of kitchen and bath or related business of the design and and tiles and, and ceramic and stones uh, this is the way the place where you want to be uh, it's a, a targeted event that only targets to that niche beautiful uh, uh, and it's it's a place where you don't have to waste your time you will meet the exact person that you want to meet you don't want to meet somebody who just walk in the show floor so this is where we, we hope and we thank you so much i mean this is was amazing uh i uh, need to go back to what i do um i have a uh, lot of preparation to uh, to work <laughs> of course announce our new dates for uh, uh the halal expo and the kitchen and bath and it's much to do uh, to connect but i appreciate this this is of course it was a pleasure to have you all the best because i think you have a good potential to grow this into a very very big um, uh, business you know I, mean, I appreciate that very much nasir it means a lot coming from you, brother. And you heard it, guys. Make sure to go to halalexpocanada.com. Support Nasser, support his work. Follow them on Facebook, LinkedIn, and all social media platforms. And if you're in Canada, if you happen to be in North America, make sure to also drive and attend the expo or even sign up as an exhibitor on the website because there's so much potential within that event. And I just wanted to thank you again one more time, Nasser. Thank you for having us here uh, and for, ha for being on this podcast. It was a pleasure to have you. Take care, guys. See you next week. Assalamu alaikum.